So when I planned my um, surf portion of the trip, I planned it through this surf agency called Waterways Surf Travel. And they had hooked me up with the uh, the hotel, not the hotel, the the um, house uh, at Jeffrey's Bay. Uh, they called it Beach Music. And then they hooked me up with this group out of uh, East London, South Africa, called Dawn Patrol. And um, this was a group of about five or six guys who um, would take uh, folk travelers like myself. And I, I get the sense they only maybe had half a dozen people a year, but they, they were such crazy diehard surfers, fanatics really, um, that they would, um, and they had real jobs, but they would each take like a day um, off of work a week to host uh, someone like myself. So amongst the five or six of them, you know, the person would be, would have a guide every single day of the week. And I ended up spending, I think, about 10 days with these guys. I extended my stay a little bit because they were so great. And so I got in a car from uh, – I rented a car in uh, Jeffrey's Bay. And uh, and it was a stick, I remember. And I drove myself up to East London. And I, I think it was like a four- or five-hour drive. Um, and so you know, you're really getting into um, – northern south africa there um and i think what borders it is mozambique if i'm not mistaken but um uh, anyway um you're getting you're getting a little further north is my point and, and more into the indian ocean um and uh anyway i remember driving this car which was a little bit of a head trip because you were on the left side of the of uh you were on the right side of the road and um uh, you, or excuse me, you were on the left side of the road in the uh, right side of the car. And with this stick shift, it was a little mind bending, uh, you know, uh, because it was totally opposite of everything else that, uh, you'd done before. But anyway, I drove myself up there and, um, this was one of really the more interesting parts of my travel. So, uh, my journal entry, uh, is November 22nd through the 23rd of uh, 2003, a lot has happened in the last two and a half days. Lewis picked me up at the airport and had dinner at Roger's house. I am embedded in the community here because they take me into their homes. I have had dinner in three different homes. I have learned so much about South Africa. Roger said I am in the real Africa now. Things are not so rosy as they appear to be in Cape Town. The black-white issue is huge. They hate the president. They think he and his ruling party, the African National Congress, ANC, are crooks. They like Mandela, who was also ANC, by the way. The country is in a bad depression as well. Roger thinks things will end up like Zimbabwe because the ANC will have to pander to its black opponents. Roger is interesting. He was in the army and fought in Namibia against the Angolans, Cubans, and Soviets. The surfing has been great. These guys are surf maniacs. They go all day, every day, and they have real jobs. Dawn Patrol is just a hobby. They scope out the wind, swell, and other factors each night and make decisions on which break to surf as if it is, life, as if it is a life and death decision. Roger and his son picked me up at 5 a.m. We went to the local reef, Nahoon Reef, and surfed over an hour. Then immediately to um, another break, we were the only ones, 
followed by one and a half hours later after the first half of the World Cup rugby match. Three sessions. I was wiped. Then I surfed two hours this morning with Nick. Met the local guys, uh, even Shannon, who was attacked by two great white sharks simultaneously at, wait for it, Nahoon Reef. Nick also told an intense story about the day at the reef when two guys were attacked. A little too intense and sad. Can't wait to go to the reef tomorrow. <laughs> November 24th through November 26th. Surf every day. Finally had some progress today. This is a tough sport to learn. I was reading the wave better today and getting better at standing. Saw a lot of dolphins this morning. My shoulder hurts today. The tendonitis is back. Not good. Hope this isn't a problem. Saw Roger today at the Spar. That's the grocery store. His 18-year-old daughter comes up and walks by and he says, quote, You like? An end quote. He is crazy. November 26th through December 1st. Have not been riding because every day has been the same. Surfing. Shoulders are sore, but not preventing me from surfing. Had my best wave of the day had my best wave on the last day at Nahoon Reef. I paddled out to the real break, not the inside. Spent about an hour just missing. Then took off on a three foot wave and had a nice stand up and rode across the face. It was quite a rush. I am still on the steep end of the learning curve after fifteen days in the water. Catching the wave in the right spot is a challenge, and I'm working on perfecting my stand-up. Walking over the rocks to get in, we passed a dead body that had been washed up. Scary. Probably one of the guys that gets drunk on the main beach got in the water and drowned. Also saw a dead fish with its tail bitten off by a shark. What a week. The guys were great. Roger runs the operation was in the army, had a ton of stories about fighting the Cubans and Russians in Namibia and Angola. Lewis, his partner, just surfs uh, this town, uh, helped me learn. Julian, younger guy, pissed at the blacks, but has hope. Roger and Lewis don't. Glenn, nice guy, works on building houses for the blacks. And Nick, hyperactive, born-again Christian, but good guy anyway. <laughs> they were all extremely hospitable. I learned a ton about current South African politics and the history. We surfed Nahoon Reef, Glengareth, Sevilla, Easterns Beach, Easterns Beach, and Nadus. I saw a lot of the country. Also met all the all the famous locals, pro guys in surf movies, and guys who were attacked by sharks. Off to Australia tonight. Time has gone by so slowly on this trip. It hasn't lagged. But I continually experience so much, you no longer get the sense of time flying by. Definitely living in the present and enjoying every minute of it. At this point, I can't imagine doing another eight months after February. But what else am I going to do? Met a nice pretty black girl on the plane to Joburg yesterday. She is from the Transkei Umtate, the boonies, but is modeling in New York City. She is visiting relatives over the holiday. We exchange emails, and I may show her around San Francisco. Linda Zaba. Rough night last night. Got food poisoning from the chicken at the restaurant. 
Puked three times. Very rough. Still don't feel right. So uh, I could almost write a book or a short story just on my experience in East London. Uh, there was just so much of interest there to me. Um, East London is what I would call a real city. Um, it wasn't huge, but um, you know, it, it had uh, like a factory. It was an industrial town. It had a Ford factory, which had closed, um, hence one reason for the Depression. Um, and what you could sense there was that you know, this was a, you know, thriving, I don't know if thriving is the right word, but it was an operating city and mostly, um, well, I guess you'd say whites, you know, but there were, there were blacks and I'm, you know, I don't mean to be politically incorrect. It's just simpler to use these terms. Um, you know, there were, there were whites and blacks there, but obviously the industry and, and, and the economy was all white. They were the benef- you know, they were the beneficiaries of, of the economy. In other words, the blacks weren't really, you know, they were never uh, integrated or part of the economy. So they were just they were poor. <laughs> but I would I would say there was about a fifty fifty split in terms of the population. Just what I saw. But the point is, you know, things were. It was all the whites had had all the the benefits of all this. Things were changing, and it was in a transition period, and the whites were none too happy about it. And they were scared, you could tell. So I learned so much about this. It was like a, you know, kind of a petri, petri dish of, of uh, political, historical change. And I certainly got the side of it from the whites. And, um, you know, they're racist, there's no doubt about it. But you could see their side of the story. Um, so it was, it was interesting to, to see this. Um, but anyway, I drove to... Um, this East London, and I was going to stay with these guys, and they were part of this uh, surf group called uh, Dawn Patrol. And so I would pay them. So they hooked me up. They had a little, like, apartment for me. and um, But they would take me surfing every day. And they would take me into their homes for dinner. And so every night I spent the night, you know, I spent the full day with one of them. And it was this Roger, Lewis, um, Nick, um and I just read their names, but I forgot the other two guys, Mark and um, I forget the younger guy's name right now. But anyway, um, sometimes we would all surf together and sometimes um, I would just spend the day with one of them. Um, and I, uh, you know, I think I spent about 10 days there and Roger ran the group. And um, so, um, but before I get into that, I mean, when I drove up there, I, dro- I dropped off the car at the airport and Lewis, so Roger and Lewis were kind of the, the two key guys in this operation. Lewis was, uh, I don't know, maybe my age roughly, a little older, mid-30s, uh, blonde guy. Um, uh, and Roger was um, maybe in his 40s, mid-40s, really fit, you know, like 6'2", good-looking brunette, uh, you know, uh, brown hair, brown eyes. Um and and these guys, like I said, were just surf crazy, and they were so proud of this of their spot called the Nahoon Reef. So Lewis uh, drove me to it right away, and I met all the guys. They were out there surfing. This was in the afternoon, and um, it the spot is like a, they have these black rock boulders, lots of little boulders. That's the reef, and you would have to walk across it in the morning, which was kind of an obstacle course and difficult. And uh, 
uh, anyway, so that's the Nahoon Reef, and um, and what's the before I went on my travels, there was something going around on the internet at the time um, of this video of this guy who is catches a wave and these two sharks attack him at the same time, and and you can see it through the wave. There's like these shadows, and one comes from underneath. And the other's coming kind of from above, and they were like going to hit him, but one hit him underneath and knocked him off, and that caused the one above to miss him. Otherwise, he would have been chomped. Well, that was at the Nahoon Reef, <laughs> where I would be surfing. So, um, you know, anyway, I I remember um, sitting out there. In the early morning, because that's when you would go, and just thinking what a trip it was, you know, just to be in this so far from my home in Cupertino or the Bay Area, you know, in Africa, surfing at this local spot where there are huge great white sharks. <laughs> and I remember one point in the water, I was kind of always off to the side because I didn't want to compete for the wave with the because the wave broke right over the reef, and so there's kind of one takeoff spot. But then there were spots on the inside that I would try to get to because there was not as many people there. Um, and then I'd be off to the side sometimes. But I remember one time Roger was like, hey, uh, come over here this way. That's where the big fish are. And he he meant the great white sharks. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, this Nick told me this story of one day there at the reef where two guys were attacked by two different great whites at the same time. And it was the most intense, incredible story I've ever heard. So Nick, one guy um, had his leg bitten off and he came in and Nick was there and Nick put a tourniquet around the guy's leg with his surf, um, his leg leash, you know, on a surfboard, you have a, a rubber uh, leash, they call it. So when you fall, your board doesn't uh, go away from you. So he used it as a tourniquet and, and, and to stop the bleeding. At the same time, there was this other guy and he was attacked and it opened up his, his uh, from his butt down the back of his leg and on his side, I think. And there were apparently some, there was like a little, um, rock elevated rock near the reef where some girls were sunning themselves and he calmly paddles up to them as the story went and just gets out of the water and says you need to call the um you know the hospital <laughs> and both of these guys were wheeled into the hospital and the guy with the tourniquet died and um and the guy who you know talked to the girls lived and I, just by being around in that area, we'd go to the local coffee shop and whatnot and breakfast places. Um, so the guy who lived, I actually did meet him. And um, anyway, just kind of a wild story. And then they're like, okay, let's go surfing at the Nahoon Reef. And it's, I mean, I, I almost had nightmares about this every night. I mean, it was, it was a, uh, I confronted some fear to get in that water every morning at five o'clock when it's dark. And um yeah, but uh, – and then the other thing is that guy who was attacked by two sharks at the same time, I met him too. His name is Shannon and Nick and I were 
when I was spending the day with Nick, he's a super Christian. Um, uh, he noticed that some of his his buddies were having a little Christian offsite, and so we went and talked with them in their little room. And there were like four of them, and I remember they had like one of those, uh, uh, you know, big pads of paper, the ones you put on a, on an easel, and you flip it over and you write shit down. And they were writing all this stuff about you know Christianity and how they were going to convert the masses, I guess. But anyway, this guy Shannon had been converted to Christianity, and he told me firsthand the story of of him getting attacked by these sharks, and he had told me how the one hit him on the bottom. And that launched him, and he said otherwise the the other shark would have gotten him, and his injury was on his hand. So the shark did um, get a hold of his hand and pinky somehow, but that was it. And then you know he stopped surfing. He said for I forget how long. I think a couple months, six months. But then he started going back out again. And he to this day, like he goes out there by himself, and he told me that he was sitting out there not too long ago, and on his board, and he got bumped, meaning a great white like from under the water, boom, bumped his board. And luckily that was it. I guess the shark realized it wasn't a seal. And, but <laughs> so it was pretty weird hearing all this stuff. But um, so we would go every morning and like two to three times a day and I was just exhausted. And uh, we'd go to the Nahoon Reef, we went to other spots. I remember one day with Lewis, we drove um, through this old, um, it was like a, a race car um, track and it was, like abandoned and um it was trippy because there'd be cars parked like on this in random spots and the seats would be down and that was people with prostitutes and so these poor women and you'd see these women walking on the side of the road you know but they were just so poor that that's where people would go they'd park their car and these women would come out of the bush and you know you know the rest and then we, you know, we had to drive through this to get to our surf spot. <laughs> and um, and I remember also, you know, um, one day we walked out to the Hoon Reef early in the morning and there was this guy, this just dead guy. Like we had to walk past him to get to the surf. And he was just laying on his back. His, his uh, legs were bent up in the air, kind of like he had been doing this, a squat or something. That was a trip. I mean, just to see it. I'd never seen a, a dead person. Um, yeah. And then you just walk by and go surfing. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just different in some of these places where it, life's a little rougher. Uh, but what what happened is, you know, they'd have these parties on the beach uh, around the corner. And, you know, I don't know. The value of life just isn't – they're just desperate. So anyway, that was weird. Um and then I remember one day we saw dolphins, and that was, again, really cool. We could hear them underwater. Um, and the surfing was hard for me. I mean, it was hard to – I you know, only caught a few good waves, but I was still learning all the water time, you know, and just constantly getting beaten up from the waves and um, just kind of random memories. Um, the World Cup was going on, and South Africa was in it. And uh, the final, I believe, was South Africa-Australia. So we watched that, and um, – or actually, no, it was Australia and um, England, and, and uh, England won. And there's this guy, Johnny, um, oh, I can't remember his name, Wilkins, Johnny Wilkins. He was the stud. Um, anyway, um, but uh, I learned a ton from these guys about uh, the race relations. And, you know, and like driving around the neighborhood, Roger's neighborhood, 
you know, it just looked like a middle class neighborhood, maybe something you'd see in in uh, Anaheim or Santa Ana or you know, nothing too special, but um but he would, you know, there'd be black people walking down the street and they'd always be very they'd eye each other. And, you know, he'd tell me, you know, you may think I'm racist or whatever, but there are break-ins all the time. And he had stories of their neighbors where there were people on the roof and they'd come in their house and just steal everything and just live there like, you know, squat. And, you know, it was, it was like this this thing about the blacks were just taking over from the whites. So that's how it was perceived from the whites. And But they felt like they were under threat, uh, um, the whites did. And what was going on in Zimbabwe was that you know was, uh, Mugabe took all the land from the whites. They just appropriated it, and the farmers. And so what Roger was telling me is the same thing was going on in South Africa, that the farmers were being shot and killed and their land being taken over. And although it wasn't a state-sponsored activity um, yet, you know, it felt to the whites that it was and that it was going that way. And so they all were absolutely horrified that South Africa would become like Zimbabwe. And they were all trying to plan their exits, but they couldn't because their money was worthless. And, um, you know, for example, Roger was a lawyer, but he was really struggling because of the economy. And he had talked about going to South Africa and everything. But again, they just didn't have an out. And so this is what was going on. You know, and he had three kids and um, you could tell they were they were stressed out about this. Um, and I, you know, I learned things like the word Kaffir. You know, they explained to me what the word Kaffir meant and. Um, you mean minute an ungod? It was a, a a Dutch word meaning un, ungodly, but it had been um, used to describe um, black people as um, you know in a, a dehumanizing way, essentially like the N word that we have here, and um, and it's really funny because as they talked about all this, you know maybe they could tell that I wasn't really buying into it or whatever, but they would tell me things and they'd say, well you might think we're racist, right? But Craig, these people aren't even black. <laughs> that always cracked me up because it was like a justification for being racist. Like, okay, they're not black, but they're something else, but you're racist against whatever that something else is. It, <laughs> but their argument to me was the, they were not sub-Saharan blacks. They were, they were a mixture of, I think they said Malay. So the story was that, you know, there had been a population from Malaysia or some other area, maybe it was Sri Lanka, but I want to say Malaysia, that had come to South Africa. So they said, you know, Mandela, he's not even black. He's blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and anyway, that, that was their defense, that they couldn't be racist because, you know, they weren't even black. I, I don't know. But And this one night, this Nick, when we were driving from um, his house, because, you know, they would cook dinner for me and stuff, he was dropping me off at my apartment and we stopped at a stop sign and there was a black guy on the side of the road and he wasn't threatening at us at all but nick had a billy club in between the the seats and he picks it up and he brandishes it you know and he looks at the guy and he shakes the club at him and then and then we we drive away and he's like you you think I'm that's too much, right? You know, and I, I didn't know what to say, you know. But he's like, that's you have to do that. You have to do that here, you know. And it was really an interesting experience. But the scenery was gorgeous. The Nahoon Reef was very pretty. Um, the other surf spots we went to was very pretty. Um, you know, one thing about learning how to surf 
that I think really helped me in these three months is that I went to so many different surf breaks. So every surf break has its own nuances and setup. You know, the, the, the waves break either on a beach break or on a reef. They break left. They break right. They break close to rocks. They, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I got a ton of experience, a lot of variability in all these different surf breaks where even maybe I wasn't standing up and surfing the wave yet. Although, on the, you know, what I said in my diary, I, I did catch one at the noon reef and I could kind of went across the face and that was like a big, you know, step function for me. But, um, you know, all kinds of um, setups. I remember once with, with Lewis, all these jellyfish were in the water and we were getting stung by these jellyfish. It was a trip. There were like millions of these little purple suckers. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I don't know what else to say about East London and my experience other than it was really good to meet these guys and learn what was going on with the the true experiment of whites and blacks in South Africa and how it wasn't going great for the whites. Um, and I mean, I'm sure it wasn't going great for the blacks either, but, um, yeah, that's all I can really say other than Roger and Lewis were great. They were all great. Um, and, oh, I wanted to add like this Roger, he had these stories about, um, fighting and I had no idea about this, that during the cold war, one of the, the proxy wars was in, um, against South Africa, basically. So the Soviet Union and Cuba funded Namibia and Angola and actually sent their fighters there and fought against South Africans. So they were fighting, you know, north of South Africa. And Roger was in the, the military and he had these stories. And one of them was like, I don't know if it was him or he had heard this, that there were these guys up in a tree, the South Africans and the Cubans were at the base of the tree sleeping and, and they didn't wake them up. And he just... Just crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, so that was my surf experience in East London. And um, again, I still wasn't really, I couldn't say I'd figured it out, but I was getting a lot of experience making little steps. And um, then I was going to go to my next stop, which was Australia. And so I um, I flew to Johannesburg and that the next day I was going to fly to Australia, but I got food poisoning that poisoning that night and I can't believe I got on the plane to Australia but but I did and uh, anyway so we'll continue in Australia <laughs>